Chris Kelsey here with Matt Howell. And this week on the first run, we call an audible, folks, and abandon Agatha Christie for Michael J. White in Outlaw Johnny Black. I guess when one of the most anticipated films of a podcast host becomes an option to cover on said podcast, you take your opportunities where you can. Then we slip on down to Chile, eat some hearts, dust just a nudge of West Anderson whimsy and twee onto the vampire genre with El Conde. We'll tell you all about the upcoming releases on physical media, give you the straight to DVD and streaming picks of the week, then wrap this all up with another edition of What Are the Odds? So sit back, relax, and get ready for a really ill-advised indigenous wedding with Outlaw Johnny Black. Reverend, what the hell are you doing? Target shooting. Clearly you don't mind. That's far enough. I said stop. Stop me. You just shot crack shot off. Well, he drew on me first. Well, he tried to. You do that shit again, I'm gonna shoot your nuts off alphabetically. I'm crack shot, Bob. Well, now you just shot. I'm sorry y'all had to see that. I just can't stand bullying sons of bitches. I mean, the Lord can't stand bullying sons of bitches. So, Matt, the crew behind Black Dynamite, a cult classic, and I think one of the patron saints of this show, has reunited minus director Scott Sanders to give us the outlaw Johnny Black. Matt, has lightning been captured once again? No. I think uh, end end of end of discussion. Let's move on to the physical media. <laughs> oh, it's not that bad. Uh, I think there's a. Uh, I guess it's you're right. It's not bad, but I mean compared to. I wouldn't even say that's a good point. I don't even say it's bad. Let alone not no, that no, no, bad. No, no. Here's the thing. Chris is seeing this with rosy glasses. He wants it to be better than it is because he loves Black Dynamite so much, and I love Black Dynamite. It's great. I sell drugs in the community, and it's one of my favorite films, I think, that we've seen for this show. But let's just tell it like it is here. So I don't know what the secret sauce that was missing while I was watching this. I guess it was the director, Scott Sanderson, which would make sense, I suppose. But ultimately, here's the problem. Black Dynamite is a lean 85 minutes joke a minute and they all are hits. They do not miss. This will give you a joke. Go for 15 minutes. Then it'll give you another one. When you get them, they're, they're good to great. There are some really solid jokes in here. And there's some really good bits. They should have cut out about 40 minutes of this movie. Because it's 130 minutes long. And it's just... It's not a bad film, but compared to what came before and our expectations of what could have been or what they're capable of producing, it is an immense letdown. You diabolical dick-shrinking motherfuckers. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. I, okay. First off, before we I, I share, Matt, could you briefly, because I, I, I was so excited. Yeah. I didn't even let you set it up. What is the outlaw Johnny Black all about? 
So Michael J. White plays an outlaw named Johnny Black, who is wanted on many, many crimes. He escapes from jail, avoids his own execution, runs into a preacher out in the middle of nowhere in the Wild West. They're attacked by Native Americans. He assumes the preacher is dead, so he takes over his identity, heads to, to where the town, and essentially becomes uh, the preacher. But of course, be this being the Old West... No, they pull him back in to his old outlaw life. There you go. So, okay. So, so White returns to spoof the Spaghetti Western at this time, right? And I'll say, while J. Michael J. White is engaging and always fun to watch, I think the film itself struggles with its, like you said, definitive lack of machine gun level humor uh, of its predecessor. Like you said, it's a, it's a laugh a minute, it's a gag a minute, and they all land. And while I'll say, I think most, I, I'm a robust 90% of the jokes I think work and I laugh. Mm-hmm. You are entirely right that there is entirely too much space between our setups, our gags. And I, I listen, in a weird way, I think the film mostly kind of hums along. And I wonder, like, if the the editor of this thing either did a fantastic job or did a really just a horrible job. Mm. And I can't. It's like one or the other, right? Because I, I don't. There's just too much time with like not a lot is happening here. And I think a bit of the black dynamite magic is here, but it, it's 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 fleeting. And I think at the in the end, I think White is just too self indulgent in this film. He directed this one, okay? All right. So I think that he's perhaps more focused on telling a more earnest story with some gags where Black Dynam, like you said, it's like 87 minutes of, you know, just knocking on your ass with a, with a laugh. Right. And it's... I, I think the film's central narrative is frustratingly loose. I think the story of it is just... The film just meanders a lot. And it's like feels more like a collection of moments than having like a focused driven point to make, really. It's we'll get the the spaghetti western esque kind of riff and gag here. We'll get um like I love the running gag about the wanted poster. Right? There's a lot of different things. But I think are fun and interesting. Like we have the blonde haired, blue eyed Native American, right? And then there's a couple things too, I think, that he desperately wants to get in this film, like the bar fight. Is something he's probably always wanted to do, like a Western, a classic Western kind of bar fight. Right. So he's got that in here as well, right? And it's just has a feel of a bunch of friends coming together to have a good time and make a film. And just somebody forgot to say cut, maybe, you know, a few minutes early, <laughs> once in a while, really. And like I said, I think the jokes land, they're just too intermittent, really. It's the more I've sat with it, the more I I like it, I but when the, when the credits rolled, I did feel I don't want to say a crushing disappointment, but there was definitely a, a subtle sadness in me, just a, a dusting of like, all right, well that's something entirely different, mm. and it's okay if it's different. I enjoyed it enough, I laughed out loud enough, but it I didn't cry. Yeah, and with Black Dynamite, I cried laughing watching that thing. Yeah. I think uh, I knew I was in for some trouble when we go through kind of the whole origin story of, of uh, Johnny 
black and I'm I, there are and there are some solid jokes in there, but then it just keeps going on and I'm like, huh, huh, and the the theater is getting quieter and quieter and it's just like, oh boy, this is not gonna be good. And the problem is, and I think what really I struggle with is that the jokes are funny, but it takes you. It's, it, it's somehow because it's brought you down so much in those spaces, it, it's harder for you to get back into that place. I mean, even if they are funny, it's not as kind of like one, like, you know, whip crack one after the other after the other, where it's like, you know, you just kind of build on itself like it is with uh, the best comedies. And that's just, that's not, just not here. And I don't know if also part of it is that the Western is kind of a, a topic that's been done to death i mean there are some already some great comedies and spoofs based on westerns so maybe the material itself is even the stuff that you make fun of already almost seems like a cliche whereas well they even do the blazing saddles right. horse punch yeah thing. right right which i'm sure is an homage yeah. to blazing saddles but still but isn't one of the isn't one of the wanted posters like the guy from blazing saddles and like the very first one no. i think it's like supposed to look like him like the very first one that they pull up i'm pretty sure that's supposed to be him no, it's the same one. That's that's um, uh, maybe not. It's him or it's um somebody else. But no, it's not Cleveland. Okay, I could have swore it was. It looked it looked a lot like him from where I, where I was sitting. But in any event, you know, black exploitation. Batman Crothers. <laughs> black, you know, black exploitation. Uh, you know the kind of kung fu films of the seventies. Yeah. All that stuff is. I think it's Scatman. Go ahead. Is 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 rife for for parody whereas this you know the western it's been done a few times and it's been done well so it's going to take something a little extra special which is just not here yeah 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 damn it (laughs) strike one chris yeah sorry go ahead (laughs) yeah you came up to bat and you whiffed you whiffed on the first one (laughs) well the first one was a home run too it was going to be really hard to follow that no no i meant on your most anticipated list Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, like like you're saying too, with the the Clayton character, the 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 big bad guy in this film, mm-hmm. that whole build up with the reveal of this backstory. That I think that if you were to combine all the flashbacks, which I think probably run about twenty minutes yeah. with all that stuff, you could have got that done in a five minute sequence, hands down, easy. Yeah. And said the same, if not a stronger emotional impact than the film has. So, yeah, no, there's no, yeah. Uh, I enjoyed it. All right, I, I still had fun with it, but it's not—it's not Black Dynamite. Right. It simply isn't, Matt. And uh, that's—it's very disappointing for me. Yeah, me too, Matt. I—I—I right now I have it as a C plus. Okay, I—you're not—we're not as world apart as I thought we were. I'm giving it a barely hanging on the edge C minus. Mm. Yeah, I—I I expected us to be a full letter grade apart the way you were talking. I was thinking it was going to be like a B minus and I was going to come in with a C minus. I do have it. Well, I have two grades on my, my notes. It's C plus slash B minus. Okay. And I've been going back and forth on what mm-hmm. it is. And I was leaning towards B minus because I said, yeah, I just saw this on Sunday and I, or Saturday. And I've been kind of softening. I don't know if softening is the right word, but the issues I had with it have lessened since then. And um, I, I think I'm enjoying it more than I, I initially did. I'm not sure. I can tell you one thing I will admit, unfortunately, is I'm glad I didn't join the uh, K 
Kickstarter or whatever mm-hmm. campaign it was to, to donate money to it, yeah. I think. But, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know what, you know, in your heart of hearts, C plus is the right grade for you, but you wish you could bring it. You're trying to talk yourself into B minus. I am. That's <laughs> desperately what I'm doing right now. There's so many great little moments. It's just that. Hey, a film is not a collection of moments. You've got to bring it all together in a whole. Yeah. Sorry, Michael. You know, he's a Connecticut native, too. Was, we met yeah, him. We, we did, did that Black Dynamite screening right. there in Bloomfield, Connecticut yeah. that time. That was a lot of fun. Was he from Bloom- Bloomfield? Stuff. I don't know if he's from Bloomfield. I thought it was more Waterbury. Okay. I can't remember exactly. Right. Fair enough. But The Outlaw Johnny Black is currently playing in theaters, though though not a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I only had two screenings a night, Matt, in my It was a 7 wow. and 10, basically. Maybe because he's a Connecticut native. There were four screenings. They had a couple in the afternoon and a couple at night. Oh, good for you. But yeah, it's theaters now. Um, it's just an email. Feedback at the first run.com. Be gentle with me if you want to submit any comments about it. And uh, it, it did make me want to watch Black Dynamite when I was watching it. And I think that in a weird way is not a good thing either. That I'm watching this thing. Oh, man, I, I really want to watch Black Dynamite now. <laughs> I really want to watch the much superior film. <laughs> so, all right. Okay. Well, that's that. <sighs> Coming up on Physical Media this upcoming Tuesday, Matt. Oh, boy. You know I'm going to squeeze it in every single time I can. Time. One of the most complex expressions. Memory made manifest. It's something that straddles past and future without ever quite being present. Or rather, it at first seems indifferent to the present. There's a tension of a most unfathomable nature. The word desires to be understood, to have meaning. But you somehow feel that it's not you yourself that the word is addressing. It washes over you, holding a dialogue with something arcane that's maybe not mortal and you feel intrigued, captured even. You're aware of a deeper existence, maybe a temporary reassurance that, indeed, there is no beginning, no end. So Matt Criterion is putting out Moon Age Daydream. This, of course, is the David Bowie documentary by Brett Morgan on 4K. So I was smart, air quotes, and I sold my Blu-ray, of Moon Age Daydream. I got like six bucks for it. And I got some basically in-store credit over here, Viper Video here in Tampa. And pre-ordered Moon Age Daydream in 4K. And I got my text today that it is in stock and ready to go. So I'll be picking it up in the next day or so. And I'm very excited about it. It's a 4K digital master supervised by Morgan. Includes a Dolby Atmos soundtrack. Audio commentary by Morgan. A Q&A with him as well. And an interview with the re-recording mixers. And uh, they also just announced... A couple days ago, or a week ago, that there's going to be a Steelbook release in October of 4K of Moon Age Daydream, I believe, as well, which I will not be buying. I will now bought this film three times in the span of, of basically a year. I have it on Blu-ray. I bought the digital version of it because it was five bucks, and I wanted to have it in 4K and at least digitally because there was no announcements of it being released in 4K at any point at that time. Like five bucks, let me just get it. 
And then, of course, about three, four months ago, whatever it was, they announced the Criterion set. So uh, that'll be in my hot little hands in the next couple of days, Matt. But to go actually down our countdown, shall we? We shall. Number five. I'm going to go with, I guess, Insidious, The Red Door. Uh, I Don't buy it. If you're an Insidious <laughs> fan, just rent it if you want to just complete the run, I guess. It's not, it's just... Patrick Wilson's directorial debut is a bit of a miss. I would watch The Outlaw Johnny Black three times, five times, a dozen times more before I'd watch Insidious The Red Door. I'll tell you that. That's, that's a, that is a brave limb you're walking out on there. Real super Thank brave. You. Thank you. Four! Matt, maybe you want to watch this one with uh, First Run Junior. Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, is being released on Blu-ray. Includes a shy t- about a shy teenager who discovers that she's part of a legendary royal lineage of mythical sea krakens and that her destiny in the depths of the ocean is bigger than she ever dreamed. Features a commentary with a director, producers, head of character animation, and more. Some deleted scenes and uh, some of the interviews and behind-the-scenes featurettes. Kid- continuing on with the kitties. Get three coffins ready. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Pixar's latest, I think it's Pixar, Elemental is being released as well. You can get it uh, as a steelbook from Best Buy. Walmart has a lenticular cover. This is one where a city where fire, water, and land and air residents all live together. Basically, the elements are, what, Matt? Like living beings. They're anthropomorphized. Is that the word, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, right. Is that right? Or is that more inanimate objects? No, I I mean, you can anthropomorphize uh, like animals and stuff like that as well. Okay, well, there you go. So the, the elements are all kind of living beings. So... I don't know. Did you see Elemental at all? I haven't seen it yet, but I it's on Disney Plus, so I'm gonna check it out soon. Great. Looks like we're shy one horse. <laughs> you brought two too many. Criterion and Matt is also putting out La Bamba. The true story of Richie Valens is getting a 2K restoration, audio commentary with a director, including Lou Diamond Phillips and some other actors. A new interview with director uh, Luis Valdez, uh, making a program, some audition footage, and more. I've, I've actually never seen La Bamba, have you? No, I haven't actually, no. So, okay, well that's fine. <clears throat> and then finally... There can be only one! Matt, one of the uh, defining films of my indie youth, a 90s cult classic, the film that basically blew the door, blew my world and my mind and introduced me to Rose McGowan. The uh, Doom Generation is being released on Blu-ray for the first time from Strand Video. And Jordan White and Amy Blue, two troubled teens, Matt, pick up an adolescent drifter named Xavier Reed, excuse me, Xavier Red. And together, the threesome embark on a sex and violence-filled journey through an America of psychos and quickie marts. I remember seeing the film being like, that's okay. But who is this Rose McGowan? (laughs) (laughs) So, there you go. Uh, We talked about uh, Moonage Daydream being released, Matt, in 4K. Also coming out in 4K. I already have the special edition one, but I think there's a more standard edition of um, Bava's A Blade in the Dark from Vinegar Syndrome is being released. Natural Born Killers, Matt, from Shout Factory is getting a 4K release. Includes the uh, director's cut in 4K and the uh, only way to get the, if you're more of a theatrical cut fan, well, that's going to be available here uh, on Blu-ray, but with a 4K restoration. But they're only putting it on Blu-ray, which is interesting. And uh, some new uh, interviews included in that one. The Clint Eastwood uh, classic, I guess, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot is getting a 4K release from Kino Lorber. 
My Bloody Valentine from Scream Factory is getting a 4K release of the uncut version of the film. I had the Blu-ray on that. The uncut version is, is is fun and it's great. The little watch got a little more gore in there, but I if you own it, I is My Bloody Valentine really worth a 4K upgrade? Right. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm sure the film has its fans. If you buy the deluxe edition right from Scream Factory, you get a bonus poster, a prism sticker, some enamel pins, and lobby cards. And then another 90s classic, Matt. I still know. Actually, no. I know what you did last summer is the, is the good one, right? Yeah. The sequel, I still know what you did last summer. Air quotes good. Is getting a 4K release as well, as well as a new Dolby Atmos track and a new commentary with the director, Danny Cannon. Arrow is putting out a limited edition of Carlito's Way in 4K. There is a limited edition packaging. Includes a poster, some poster uh, postcard lobby cards, and uh, a booklet, some new essays on it. So those are all your 4K releases. And then, Matt, your straight-to-DVD pick of the week this is a good one. Replicator. Army experimentation with transporter devices accidentally turns people into alligators. Mm. Replicator. Very nice. Which would we be streaming this week? So, keeping with the theme of For the Kids, uh, TMNT Mutant Mayhem is available on Paramount+. Plus. It's a surprisingly entertaining... Uh, you know, homage to the 90s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, television show. Uh, I think, you know what, adults can get on the same wavelength as this. It's nowhere near as good as something like Spider-Verse, but it is it is quite entertaining, for especially if you grew up in the late 80s, early 90s. I think, too, I saw that on Netflix, Matt. Annihilation is on uh, Netflix right oh, okay, now. Okay, nice. It's a good one. And I think Arrival is, too. So if you're in the mood for some... Two very, really cool, interesting sci-fi films, but two very different films. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they're, they're a weird, I think, good double bill in an odd way. Right. One about kind of fate and family, and the other one just, I don't know, for me, just kind of science fiction terror mm-hmm. in a weird kind of... I, I don't know. Both films really enjoy that, and they're both on Netflix right now. Okay, let's close out the big show, Matt. I still haven't given this one a great... Really? It's going to be a game-time decision for me. Okay. So uh, let's spend a few minutes and talk about uh, El Conde, or, you know, the Count. Naturally, our dear Count has tasted human blood from every corner of the world. English blood is his favorite, of course. He says it has something of the Roman Empire. A note of Viking skin, it's hard to define. A bitter blood and dark Regrettably, however, the Count has also sampled the blood of South America. The blood of the workers. He doesn't recommend it. It's acrid, he says, with a doggy nose. A plebeian bouquet that clings for weeks to his lips and palate. So, Matt, uh, Pablo Lorraine, who gave us Jackie and Spencer, has returned with El Conde, uh, the Count, if you will. A fictionalized story about Claude Pinochet, where he actually was a French soldier in eight, in, in the 18th century, and then uh, becomes a vampire, and eventually goes through time. He witnesses the French Revolution, revolution, the execution of Marie Antoinette, eventually makes him his way into Chile, joins the Chilean army to eventually become their his brutal dictator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but it turns out, Matt. He was a vampire the entire time. Matt, what are your thoughts on uh, El Conde and the marrying of basically a story of a brutal fascist dictator 
as a monster, but actually making him like a legit monster. Right. What do you think? What about that narrative device? So I'll have to admit, I don't know that much about the real life Pinochet. I know very, very little about him. And I have to say, I'm not sure I'm on the vibe on the wavelength of this film. I think there are parts of it. When it started, I thought I was going to be really into it. I think it's got a really good kind of dialogue, which you heard some of in the beginning, you know, this kind of Mm -hmm. uh, succinctly wrapping up the story and kind of putting you in its place. And it's kind of getting you into the headspace. And I think a lot of the backstory and stuff I thought was interesting. And I thought, I'm going to really like this movie. And then you get to kind of the meat of the story. And I don't like it. It's billed as like a horror comedy satire. And I'm like, I don't know if my unworldly American brain is getting any of these jokes. Like, I don't understand if there's jokes here, I'm not picking them up. And I, I don't know what this trying to do. It's trying to do something, but whatever it's doing, it's not landing with me. All right. Well, I, I thought it was an interesting idea, right? Pinochet as a vampire on his country and the people of Chile, you know, feeding on the lifeblood of a nation and uh, putting a political satire and grounding it in this kind of classic horror archetype character, this vampire. I think it makes sense. Uh, and I think I'm kind of surprised we don't see it more often, right? I was initially curious about the decision also to include narration, but it ends up being purposeful, exceptionally purposeful, and part of the story. And I and I think it's one of my favorite aspects of the entire film. Sure. When, the, when that reveal comes, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, of course, that actually makes perfect sense. <laughs> you know, which is a weird way to say, weird thing to say. But if you're familiar at all with the, the political structures and everything that happened and who that narrator ends up becoming, I think part of it's like, oh, yeah, I can I can see that. And I would say, too, I think the black and white imagery really adds an almost fairy tale like feel to it for me. And uh, there's lots of little touches and little things like I love the fact that uh, Jamie Vidal's Pinochet, he's Matt, he's offended and has decided to kind of let himself die because he's been accused of the theft of Chile's treasures, right? And well, basically, I guess everything from the country, it's people, whatever the case may be. But uh, he's like, he just doesn't want to go on anymore at point at that because how could someone dare <laughs> accuse him of doing something so awful, right? Uh, and so he fakes his death but now there's rumors that he may still be flying around into town and rejuvenating himself and i got to i loved all of that imagery yeah. of him dressed up in in the military garb with the cape and flying over the city and attacking all these innocent people and i what i think i think one of the really smart moves by laurent in this is it's one of those banality of evil things right where it's at times shockingly, I think, violent and gory. And mostly, I think, in the f- beginning. And then a little bit kind of sprinkled through through the rest of it. But he also shoots it in set sometimes in the most, again, these are termed the banal, almost dull, routine ways. Like when he's making his morning, you know, shakes for breakfast, right? Out of the hearts of people, right? That just that imagery of him just doing it. It's just fantastic. And he has all these close-ups as well of of um vidal as pinochet just as grotesque as he could possibly make it with the the hairs and the uh you know it's just clearly that lorraine has contempt for pinochet he's, he's a chilean director so but he clearly has some contempt for uh 
Pinochet. And it's, it's interesting. I think it's, I think I, I really enjoyed it. I believe, I think the humor in the film works pretty well too. Uh, I know it's not a Shaun of the Dead kind of thing, right? This is more of a satire where the humor is more kind of subtext and pointing out at the just ridiculousness of the entire situation. Uh, you're a much harsher critic on that kind of stuff than I am. What would you think about that? You talked about it in the opening a little bit of that Wes Anderson tweet. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going for... It's got a certain vibe to it. I think it's a little more... I think it wants to be a little absurdist to make it a little the material a little more approachable to kind of uh, feed you into this kind of satire um, comedy roots of this thing. And I think that's what they're trying to lean on rather than jokes it's kind of everything is kind of what what is supposed to be funny is told in this kind of deadpan or, or quick patter kind of way and you know it's really more about the absurdity of the situation and look at these people kind of thing and it's fine i i just i just didn't think it was entirely successful on what it was trying to do i think it has some great images like you said oh it's gorgeous too i think the black and white really adds to it and then Edward Lockman, who works a lot with Todd Haynes, his cinematography in this, it's probably one of my favorite looking films I've seen all year. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely looks good. It's got some cool ideas. It's just, it's lacking in the execution for me. Matt, I was trying to think too, like what would, what would Trump be if he was one of the classic universal monsters? I think in the end he would be a vampire, but like, mm. Someone with like heavy like brain trauma <laughs> or something. I'm not quite yeah. sure. I was going through this like, what idiotic chicken shit proto fascist monster would he be? And I was trying to. Th- I don't know. Now, granted, I'm not saying Trump's not the, on the level with Pinochet because right. he clearly is. Right. But if I had to choose for him to be one of these monsters, I usually was going like mummy. Like, eh, no. Yeah. I think I would go vampire. There's something about his performance here as Pinochet too that did somewhat kind of remind me. Of him in a sad little way, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I guess uh, getting all political, bro. Getting all political. I mean, I would have said the blob, but that's not a that's not an actual uh, that's not an actual universal monster. Yeah, that's true. But I like that though. I'm open to that. I'm open to that, Matt. What are you What are you going to give the uh, Elconda? I'm going to give the Count a C. No, come on. Yeah, afraid so, bud. That's incorrect. That's 100 percent correct. My hip is killing me tonight. I don't know if Matt's noticed there's a different angle tonight. I'm standing because my old man hip is giving me a hard time. Oh Matt, the answer to that is a B. Alconda is a B. That is entirely too high. Entirely too high, folks. Chris is nope. grading on... He's As you know, he's grading on an amazing curve right now this, today. And I love it because the kids all come to visit him because they're terrified they're going to lose their luxurious life. And they have this nun who comes in who maybe has her own agenda and is interviewing all of them and they're just so matter of fact about all the horrible things that you know the family has done and it's just i i enjoyed it matt i i, I enjoyed it that's why i gave it a b so there you go it's currently streaming on netflix so if you want to watch it and get back to us we'd love to hear which one of us is right is it matt yeah no it's not matt it's it is or is it chris it's it's, chris. it's never chris Shoot us an email feedback at the first run.com matt Let's wrap up the big shoe and uh, do a few rounds of everybody's favorite Vegas odds-making game. What are the odds? Hi, Barbie! Hi, 
Ken. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. I got us both ice cream. Cool. Hi, Barbie. 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 Hi, Ken. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Oh, hi, Alan. There are no multiples of Alan. He's just Alan. Yeah, I'm, I'm confused about that. Hi, Alan. Matt, what are the odds? All right, you ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready. What are the odds Barbie gets a Best Picture nomination? 100%. It'll get a nomination. It was way too much of a cultural movement. <clears throat> Made way too much money. Um, It may be the only... It may be the token populist vote. Now, whether it'll win or not, if it has any real shot... I guess I'd have to see what else it's going up against, but I, on a field of 10, 100% chance that it's going to get. Well, hold on to that. Uh, acting nominations? I think we're just two, right? Gosling and uh, right. Robbie? Yeah. I would say they both get it. I think if one gets it, they both... Really? I think they both... Uh, not, I'm not saying that I agree with that. I would say that Gosling would deserve a nomination before Robbie does. And my enjoyment of the performances. So, but I, I struggle to see where they nominate one and not the other. Again, we'll have to see what else yeah. we get for the rest of the year. Fair. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a lock for a best picture nomination. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. I think they're intrinsically linked. I think Gosling. Now this is, of course, is our, our bro bias, bro. You know, <laughs> you know, that uh, the, the Barbie film for the girls right. is the, the, the standout character is Ken. Yeah. But uh, I think if Gosling gets a nomination, there's no, which I think is more likely than Robbie, there's no way she does not get a nomination as well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know what? Say what you want, but at the end of the day, I mean, he he made he made the most of the material that he was given, and uh, he he sells yeah. it, and he's the best part of it. He certainly is. Yeah. What do you got? Okay, so there's been a lot of talk in Hollywood about uh, stars retiring and kind of people being over it. So I just kind of throw out a couple stars, and I want you to tell me what are the odds that they retire in the next few years. Okay, you ready? Um, wait. Yes. Okay, now. All right. <laughs> what are the odds Keanu Reeves retires in the next five years? Now he five years. Yeah, he urged them to kill, definitively kill John Wick because he's tired of it. He doesn't want to come back. He's like. It's too physical. I really don't want to deal with it kind of thing. How old is Keanu? What's he coming in at? He's in his 60s. Stop. Pretty sure. Maybe I'm wrong. For once in my life. I would have said like 56. 59. Wow. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty close. You're close. Yeah. So what happens if he hits that, uh, you know, he's like, you know what? I'm, I'm eligible for Social Security. I'm, I'm ready. No, 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 no. He's a zero. Zero chance? Keanu's a zero. Unless he said, I plan on retiring. I'm, he's not going to do. Maybe he won't do another Wick film, but he'll still do stuff. He's he'll be. I think he'd switch into being one of our greatest character actors who's ever lived. You know, I think he could bring a lot to small kind of little roles. So uh, it's still one of the standouts for me of the Neon Demon. So um, I don't know. I yeah, no, nah, he's a, Keanu's a zero. Okay, Mark Wahlberg. I saw today that he says he may retire. Or he's considering it, right? Uh, so I would, I'd say it's entirely, I would go 65% Wahlberg retires, goes and acting, but goes behind the camera to make his 
faith-based films to, uh, I'm assuming, make up for all the horrible racist crap he did as a youth. And ki- did he kill somebody? I'm pretty sure. He- no, but he beat someone almost oh, to death okay. and sent him to the hospital. Very good. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good. Ah, uh, the folly of youth. Yeah. Uh, the, yes. Didn't we all almost beat somebody to death? I can't tell you how many yeah. times I ran into that, me and my friends. In a racially charged attack? Maybe. Absolutely. You know, we were, we were equal opportunity. We would just find somebody and just beat them up. Didn't matter. Well, he was in Boston, right? True. Notoriously, I mean, I, possibly what the race, most racist city in the north. Well, in the north? Well, there's only like a few cities in the north. I mean, there's three of them. So I guess, you know, is it Boston, Philadelphia, or New York? I guess, really, if you want to talk about it. I don't know. I hear Montpelier is pretty crazy. Uh, it is. You know, you don't mess with Vermont. <laughs> uh, what about what are your thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, I could see Mark Wahlberg retiring. I mean, he's obviously over it. He's kind of done his born again thing. He's kind of refound his faith. Yep. So he's like anti Hollywood at this point. Although I could see him, you know, 10, 15 years after that, he'd like he losing some of his faith or kind of becoming less, you know, uh, devout or, or less militant as the case may be and maybe he comes back and starts doing like departed three you know or something like that i don't know <laughs> hey how's your mother yeah, yeah that'd be good boogie nights too yeah. i'm a star big bright shining star matt uh over under best picture nominees okay. your number is eight over under eight um wow that's rough because I don't know what else we're going to get for the rest of the year, but I struggle to think what, besides Bobby and Oppenheimer, what else is going to be nominated. Um, I'm going to say over. I feel like it's it's a nine year is what I feel like to me. Mm-hmm. I think the number might be eight. That's why I said eight. Uh, <laughs> I would think, yeah, I think nine's the right number if you can't choose eight. So I would probably go over myself. Yeah. I'm curious, is um is Barbie the number one movie? For the longest time it was Super Mario Brothers. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. Yeah, for the longest time, but Barbie uh knocked it off. So do you know there's no Wikipedia page for the outlaw Johnny Black? You better start working on it. <laughs> I don't think I didn't think about do think about it when I saw yeah. that. I'm like, that is unsettling. Yeah, so Barbie's one, Super Mario Brothers two, cross Spider Verse three. Guardians volume Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three is four. Oppenheimer, Little Mermaid, Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania, John Wick, Sound of Freedom. Oh, did you hear the latest on that one? Yeah, I did. Couldn't happen what to surprise. it. I mean, that doesn't shock me at all. And then Dial of Destiny coming in at number ten, uh, with not even at one hundred seventy-five mil. Wow. But I think it's still well. I mean, the thing is, we have you know, Killers of the Flower Moon. I think is a lock. Yeah. For Best Picture, uh, the color purple may. See, I'm weird about the color purple. Like, why would you? I mean, I guess you know it's a book, and I've always said you could readapt it. But you have that film that was such like a cultural touchstone from whatever it was, the late '80s, early. Is 90s. it more of an adaption of the play of the adaption of the book? I, I don't, don't know. know. I haven't de- delved that deep into it, so maybe it is. I'm not sure. I just assumed it was off and of the book. Then you have Ferrari. I think it probably has a shot. Mm, true. Hollywood does love its biopics, but it's not a biopic about. Hollywood people, so that's always iffy. Um, Clooney's got a new film coming out. He directs. He tends to kind of do artsy stuff. Poor Things, Jorgos Lanthimos. What? I know you're not excited about that, but... Uh, Killer? You think could, uh, Spencer's be. new film? Is- no, here it's pretty raunchy and ribald. I'm wondering if it's going to turn off a lot of people. Right. Maestro, obviously, definitely. Napoleon, definitely. Assuming it comes out. 
That's true. If they get pushed. That is an interesting question. All right, so we're both at nine now. Yeah. Okay. What do you got for me? All right. Priscilla? Ooh, Sofia Coppola's Priscilla, maybe? No, nah, I don't think so. Without even seeing Thank anything you. of it. Yeah. No, I think not. What about the killer? Maybe as a dark horse. Again, it depends on what else is out there, but I, I maybe. Taylor Swift, the Eras tour? No. Are you gonna are we gonna are we gonna go see the re release of Stop Making Sense? So here's the thing. This we gotta talk we'll talk about it at the wrap up. Mm-hmm. Because there's three films coming out this week that I don't want to see. And they are showing Stop Making Sense as well. So that's four. Four. That's un- that's untenable. That's impossible. That's not going to happen. It can't be done. <laughs> so we'll talk about it in the wrap-up, Max. Okay. What do you got? All right. So apparently um, old films that flopped uh, have been really big hits on Netflix recently. So what are the odds that... <laughs> some of these suddenly get sequels that the studios take the wrong lessons Ooh. that these are going, that the people are craving these things. So first, what are the odds we get another Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie off of the sudden popularity of that terrible Leatherface prequel? Did it really jump up? Yes. It's, it really, I mean, like, I yes it's, it's like, it's crazy. The numbers it's doing on Netflix. I wonder what that's about. I don't know. That's weird. Oh, the video game. Oh, that's true. That, yeah, that maybe. Eighty-five uh, percent. You think so? No doubt in my mind. All right. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. What are you talking about? Horror, mm. and it's a, fr- a well-known franchise. Of course, they're going to do that. I would be shocked if they didn't. It's easier to to do that probably than reboot it yet again. Though I'll still never get over old Leatherface grabbing the chainsaw out of the wall. <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. Yeah, but yeah, no. Uh, yeah, that's a lot. All right. The uh, the the tearjerker based on real life, uh, all my life, where the couple gets married and the husband gets diagnosed with uh, cancer, doing great numbers on Netflix. When uh, it's like a mini series, though, is it? I thought it was a film. No, is that the one with the two the two ones like Italian, and then it's Zoe Saldana? No, no oh. one. There's another one. There's a sh- there was a show that. My mother-in-law watched and got Mrs. First Run to watch. Okay. And, like, she watched the first few episodes about the romance and how they come together. No. And I'm watching this and I'm like, oh, no. Because I see so much stuff. I can, stuff like this, it's a roadmap. I know exactly what's coming. Yeah. And I tell her, listen, I want you to know something's going to happen and he's going <laughs> to die. I don't know if you want to keep watching this. It's going to be really sad. I can, I can just tell. Yeah. And sure enough, like two another episode in, he gets diagnosed with cancer. Right. No, um, no, this is the one uh, where wait. So if the guy dies from cancer, he has terminal liver. He has terminal liver cancer. But like, are they? Well, that's a good point. I guess. I guess so. That I guess something like that. They're gonna make another. Let's make another movie off of find another dead couple uh, movie because that's what people want. <laughs> sure. I mean, it's, I, I guess so because they did that show that I talked about. Mm. And they did a, a different version of it with a movie. And maybe it, she moves on and meets another terminally ill guy. Yeah. And she's got a little Florence Nightingale thing going. I, I don't know. I have no idea really what you're talking about. So I'll say 25%. Sure. All right. Very good. All right. You know what's another horrible show that the Mrs. First Run loves? Mm. is um, It's not Steel Magnolias. It's something Magnolias that's on Netflix. And it is so melodramatic and over the top. Yeah that sweet magnolias that's the name of it i knew it was an s 
but the problem is everybody is it's there's two things about it that it's really weird where everybody has these outsized over dramatic reactions to the smallest things and people like almost set up things to get upset about and they're like could be small things too it's like well you forgot to put the dish in the dishwasher why do you never support my choice <laughs> that kind of a thing you know it's and also too a lot of the characters and my wife pointed this out their wardrobe is horrible i mean it's the way they dress them it's just drastically bad and it occurred to me i think what it is is this is like a religious cult they're like in a small little town separated from the world like a like a village thing okay. Because all the women dress kind of like they're very, you know, conservative. And I'm like, that's what it is. This is this whole town is a cult. Yeah. Now I'm actually interested in the show. Now it takes on a little darker tone. Okay. And I'm like, well, I hope oh, you're right. I, I hope you're right happening. for your sake. No, it's not. I'm not nerd at all. Matt, what are the odds the strike gets settled by uh, the end of 2023? I'm going to say 40%. I feel like they're pretty far apart. But at the same time, studios are going to start to get more desperate as they start to run out of uh, films that they can put out there. Did you see what they did on CBS? No, I didn't see that. What did they do? I was watching my Jets get blown out by the Cowboys. <laughs> and they ran every commercial break, basically, was watch the streaming phenomenon Yellowstone mm-hmm. from the first episode tonight on CBS. Right. So that's what they're going to do. They're going to just run Yellowstone. That's, what I think, what's going to happen. It's going to be a, just an outpouring of reality content. Yeah. And then... They'll start, yeah, uh, cannibalizing their streaming content, I think, if they need to, yeah. and to put it up on the regular networks. Yeah. Yeah. But it's good, though. It means they're hurting, that which is. I'm happy to see. Yeah. That, well, couldn't happen to a, not, a better industry, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm at um, I'm at 40% that it'll be before 2020. Actually, no, I shouldn't say that. I'm I'm confident it will be because yeah. I think they're supposed to meet this week. Okay. Yep, they are. Um, though the studios say they're resolved to kind of break the back of the unions, but I think every time they come out and say something they look like it's just absolute idiots right so i'll go 51 percent. it'll be i'm i'm really gonna hedge there yeah, you and are. say it'll be over yeah, by the end just of the year slightly more than i'm gonna go 50.9 percent <laughs> all right so this is a bit of a cheat this is because i didn't get to do call it last week i thought of something when we were talking at work today so call okay. it spooky season movies or christmas movies what are, you, what are you talking about? One's It's a call it, so one, yeah, yeah, one yeah, is I gone. Know. That's such a weird question. Why would you ask me that question? Holiday because you were ranting holiday. about how important that the Hallmark movie channels, the Christmas is starting, that you have to, and I was thinking, okay. Do you, that's not, Bubby, that's not for me. I understand it's not for you, but what I'm saying is I want you to make a choice. Do you want to get rid of Christmas movies with the It's Wonderful Life that you think is one of the greatest movies of all time, or watch it every year. Do you want to get rid of, uh, you know, spooky season movies? The great thing about It's a Wonderful Life, it has the most romantic and sweetest moment in a film, and also one of the just dirtiest, sluttiest, hottest <laughs> moments in a film. And they're both in It's a Wonderful Life. Mm. So if you're a fan of that movie, you'll know which one it is. I'll, t- I'll tell you. First one is when they're little kids, and Darla, Darla, was just a little rascals. Uh, leans into to Bailey's ear and she goes, "Is this your bad ear, George Bailey? I love you for the till the day I die." So whatever it is, yeah. I get goosebumps every time I see that scene. And then the hottest scene is when they're talking to Sam Wainwright and they have to share the phone mm. right next to each other, mm. and you can just see what Doris Day and Jimmy Stewart. Doris Day, it's not Doris Day. It's uh, uh 
Why am I blanking? Goddamn COVID brain. Anyway, when they're over, they're sharing that phone together. You could just the tension, the sheer raw animal sexuality mm. between the two of them is just uh, off the charts. Yeah, it's serious. It is actually like <laughs> they do a really good job in that. Okay, what are we talking about? Um, I would say here's the thing. For my wife, I would keep holiday films. Mm. She loves those Hallmark movies so much. Right. But if it's just me, it's Halloween. It's spooky stuff. Yeah. Season all all the way. Yeah. And twice on Sunday. Yeah. It's not even a choice for me either. I mean, there's great Christmas movies, but there's way, way more and better spooky stuff. That's an interesting question. Is the best Christmas movie, which I think is A Wonderful Life, better than the best horror film? So your favorite horror film is The Thing. So is it better than The Thing? So would I trade away The Thing for It's a Wonderful Life? No, absolutely not. I wouldn't either. Not even. I would do Halloween. Huh? You could talk to me being the Halloween yeah friday the 13th yes i would i would toss friday the 13th nightmare on elm street yeah i probably would alien? shining no alien no yeah. exorcist no right but that's how much i love it's a wonderful life that's very true. um do you have any more matt no, that's it that's what i got all right i'm ready to close this out then what are the odds i buy the exorcist in 4k before halloween <laughs> let alone black friday <laughs> Because uh, I said like the other week that I probably wouldn't pick it up because yeah. I have it on Blu-ray. I wasn't sure if I would. Yeah. And the uh, reviews I've read so far are good to great on the transfer. Is there exciting packaging involved? Are there trinkets? And the Dolby Atmos audio track. Um, not really. I could. That's a good point. If I could get my hands on the Bible version from the UK, mm-hmm. then I think, yeah, it's hands down. Uh, 100%. Yeah. But I, I, it's sold out, and I'm not going to spend like three hundred dollars, four hundred dollars for it. I'm just not. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, that is ridiculous. Don't do it. Yeah. And you can buy the 4K. I think right now for twenty four bucks on Amazon. So, I will say it's contingent. Okay. I'm going to say there's a seventy five percent chance. Now, I think it has to get to the twenty dollars or less price point. If that happens, absolutely, you will absolutely mm-hmm. buy it immediately. But I think there's only a 75% chance that that happens before Black Friday. But I could be wrong. They could do, like, because I think I just got an advertisement on Amazon that they're going to be doing, like, some more Prime Days or some kind of big sale in October. So, who knows? Ooh. Well, the new film's coming out, too. Right. I'll put it, all right, I'll tell you this. If it hits $14.99. Yeah. Then it's, it's 100%. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to be able to help yourself if it goes below $20. I, I I could resist <laughs> below tw- anywhere from fifteen oh one to thirty nine ninety five. Sure, I can resist. Right, fourteen ninety nine. Here's the, here's the kicker. I currently have about eighty dollars worth of gift certificates credit on Amazon. Nice. Just been hoarding them. Huh? So, well, yeah, that and I I gave blood no. the first time. Oh, okay. I'm all positive. Okay. In case you're uh, curious, which I guess is a, almost not quite universal donor. One of them's the right universal below. donor. One of the others, the universal recipient. I can't remember which one is which. Supposedly, as O positive, eighty percent of the population here is positive, positive. Okay. and O can give to all of them. Sure. Gotcha. So I will now be, and I filled up my bag in four minutes. Wow. Thank God. There's one good thing I got good blood. My high blood pressure helps. <laughs> is just shooting that stuff right out like a thumb <laughs> over the hose. Filled up my bag in four minutes. Nice. So yeah, I'm glad I decided to share that. All right. Well, yeah. No, I think it's uh, yeah. If it's at fourteen ninety nine, it's a yes, definitive, no doubts. Money in the bank. Well, no, money out of my wallet. 
All right, Matt. Well, that was fun. Little round of uh, what are the odds? I had another one. What are the odds? What the Expendables Four is good, but well, we're, I think we're about to <laughs> we're about to talk about that a little bit. So let's let's slip into it. All right, feedback at thefirstrun.com. What percentages would you apply? We'd love to hear from you, Matt. What is coming up next week? All right, so we've got It Lives Inside, which I'm totally on board with. Then we've also got listed here Dumb Money and Expendables 4. There's no way in hell mm-hmm. I'm going to see Expendables 4. So you can just okay. throw that off the list. <laughs> okay. So it comes down to whether we want to see Dumb Money and then or you know the the re-release of stop making sense now the problem with that is while it is the greatest concert film of all time we're pretty much well chris is pretty much anti-documentary for the show because they're hard to talk about unless it's something like unless it's something like american movie or uh exit through the gift shop something like that so all right yeah well good point that is a very (laughs) good point I think I even made that point when we after we watched that film uh, that you made an exception to your rule for your beloved David Bowie. So I, did. So I guess I think I'm okay. We'll have to pick one. Really, it'll have to be. Either. Well, you wanted to see Dumb Money. That's the thing. I don't know. Or we can even push try and push Dumb Money off if you want to just go streaming next week. I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff I still want to see. I um, I want to see Cobweb, No Hard Feelings. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there's a few things that I uh, I still want to see that are streaming. So, but then we run into the creator. Yeah. There's a week after that yeah. and saw X, which will be a double, I think. Yeah. I don't know. And then they have the Exorcist, but we are wide open on October 20th, where that's too long. I think your uh, dumb money will be gone by then, yeah. very likely. Well, you know what? If we miss it, we miss it. I mean, if we're if we're pushing for stop making sense, if you think we can make an interesting segment out of it. Um, I'm all for it. It is, I guess, the first time the full show has been uh, available to see. Oh, okay. The full concert. And it is. I, I saw it years ago, and it is fantastic. If You you don't have to be a Talking Heads fan. It's just that good. Yeah. It'll make Supposedly, there was... Yeah, yeah. And I saw like something online where people were in the last like 20 minutes, or people were like up in the theater, like in the aisles, and up the front dancing and stuff, too. Uh... All right. Well, I like how we don't have a definitive answer. No, I think that. we do. That's I think fun. we got a. We've got it lives inside and, and stop making sense. I think you've talked. Think so? Yeah, I think, okay. I think you've talked me into it. Okay. Cool time. Good times. Cool. In the meantime, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually, you'll find us. Head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. It'll help other people find the show. And I have two stingers. I'm not quite sure which one to use, Matt. Um. I'm going to go with the other one. Let's do that. All right. That sounds good. Here's the, I'll, I'll give you the first one that I wasn't going to, that we decided not to. Ha ha! I threw that shit before I walked in the room. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and take an extended break. And we'll see you all soon. I, I, talk, I did it too soon, man. I got to wait for the, the thing to catch up. And there we go. You be cool, mama. Be here, keep you tight and out of sight. I'ma shake the tree from the roots and rake up the fruits. Rip it up out the ground, find out what's going down. Don't worry about tomorrow, mama, cause tonight. Dynamite's gonna make everything all right. Euphoria, shut the fuck up. I know that was you, I ain't even gotta look. I should send your ass back to Crenshaw Pete with his hot ass coat hangers, bitch. Would you like that? <laughs>